2: Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Here Kyle, we are. Good morning, Kyle. How's it going? It is going well. I'm excited today. We have a uh, we have a guest on the podcast, Mr. Daniel Torridon, host of the Onion Unlimited podcast, which is one that I was introduced to not all that long ago. Uh I told I told Daniel um over Twitter that I was cleaning out my gutters uh from leaves, listening to the Onion Unlimited podcast, and one of the things that one of the things that Daniel said during the podcast, was uh, making reference to somebody else he met online, and uh, saying something something to, along the lines of um, sa- sounding as though his own words. He was hearing his own words coming out of somebody else's mouth, and I felt that way. So I was like, "Well, I'll, I'll shoot him. I'll shoot him a message and see if he's if he's going to be willing to maybe come on and have a chat." And he graciously accepted. So welcome to the Two Tons podcast, Mister Torridon. Yes, sir.
1: Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming
2: on. Absolutely. So um, there's all sorts of interesting things um, in Daniel's in Daniel's bio and in, and in the podcast. The, the two things that struck me most powerfully were, um, well, a little bit about Daniel's background and um, uh, his involvement with the Jehovah's Witness Church. And I don't know if, and I'm certainly willing to go there today, but that was one thing. Uh, the other thing ha- was really more to the point was, was... A sort of spiritual journey that Daniel has gone on in during his life, and that's been accelerated it sounds like since his departure from the jehovah's witness church and it It, it follows my own spiritual development so closely that I really wanted to get him on to talk about how it began for him, and so um i don 't know Kyle, if you have anything to add to that, otherwise I want uh, to nicely nicely stated well let's kick let's kick it over to you daniel if if you wouldn't mind. I wanted, to sort of, mm. I wanted to sort of begin with how you conceptualize God, but I don't want to put that level of structure to this conversation. I really like it to be conversational, so I'm just going to open it up to you, if you wouldn't mind, um, giving us a little insight into how that began for you, because what we're going to be talking about today is something I talk about often. It's pandeism. It's the idea that yeah. that God and the universe are somehow synonymous, or that there's some relationship between the two that is closer than people tend to believe— which is a really interesting idea. How, how did yep. how, how did you get introduced to it, Daniel, and, and how did it f- finally hold some power for you?
1: Um. Originally, I would say I had a very uh, traditional uh, view of God. Um, being raised as a Jehovah's Witness, um, I was kind of uh, exposed to images of. God as being um, an old old guy with a white beard sitting on a throne somewhere right. in uh, outer space. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say it was round about when I was 18 years old I started uh, questioning that. Um, I definitely wasn't thinking in terms of pandayism at the time. It was more of a... Um, a gradual kind of realization that God was not was not like that. Um,
2: so, so Daniel, I, I don't I don't want to interrupt you too much, and stop stop mm-hmm. me if, stop me if I do that. But that what you hit on right there is what I am the most interested in because because I had the okay. same I had the same type of experience where it wasn't like. And I, and I and I did mention psychedelic drugs to you and that's something that hopefully we can talk about at some point or mystic experience or something mm. but it wasn't as though I had one of those and I went from and I went from one opinion spiritually to another kind of polar opposite view It was gradual and it was gradual exa- yep. exactly right and and my the steps that took me there were not the same as the steps that took you there. So I want I want to give you mine, but I don't want to I don't what it was step on toes. So what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, is highlight those highlight those things, those steps. Um, okay, you know I guess beginning with with when you were eighteen.
1: Okay, so I was thinking very deeply about um, spiritual matters, and I started thinking about space and time, and uh, the universe and the way that God uh, supposedly created it. And it just struck me at the time that if God w- was indeed um, an old man sitting on a throne somewhere in outer space, um, outer space was something that he created. So prior to the creation mm. of the physical universe, he wouldn't have had anywhere to live. <laughs> <laughs> um, If that makes sense. Oh, so I, yeah, I I started thinking in terms of uh, the universe itself, with dimensions, you know, uh, three-dimensional space and time as being something very, very physical. Which God, in my opinion, at the time wasn't physical in in any sense. So that idea led me to the idea of. a God that was much more um, non-dimensional, not, not a guy sitting on a throne somewhere. Um, it kind of developed more into the idea of a God that was purely um, a mind without, without a body, certainly not physical in any way, um, a source of consciousness, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of how it how it began. So, so um, sorry, go on.
2: Oh no no, I, I, that, that's really good. Um, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, the, 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 the point you make about um, about imagining God existing in the in the cosmos out there in space. And then, yeah. and then coming to the realization that, lo- that logically, you know, you, it's a cart before the horse situation where you, exactly. right, right. You can't have God creating the cosmos and then existing in the if cosmos. Lives right. Because then temporally you have, you have a paradox there. Then, then time becomes exactly. an, an interesting question. Right. Right.
1: And, and it was a, it was an interesting reaction. that I got to that as well. Um, when I, first expressed that the first person i expressed this idea to was my dad my father and i got quite a um quite a negative reaction to that mm. actually uh, when i suggested that god must have been in a different dimension outside of space and time um he actually accused me of uh, apostasy at oh, the time no um how old were yeah. you yeah <sighs> um 18 at the oh, okay. Time. Okay. um yeah so um yeah he uh, that that was quite a big um quite a big departure from mm. certainly the way that he thought at the time and he thought i was going down a uh, mm. down a path i shouldn't go down um interestingly as i did i did a bit more research in the uh, jehovah's witnesses publications and um Actually, some of the things that are published in some of those publications does actually bear that out. Uh, there's a an encyclopedia that Jehovah's Witnesses uh, produce called The Insight Book. Interesting. Um, and it actually does mention that God must exist in a different dimension. So as early as 18, I, I sort of realized I was onto to something. Um, so that that is... And even... Uh, even uh, even scripturally as well, because I was raised um, as a Bible believer, mm-hmm. and I found certain verses in the Bible that seemed to indicate to me that God was non-dimensional. Um, there's a uh, there's a particular verse in Romans eight uh, verse thirty nine that talks about uh, height and depth being a creation. So. Mm. Yes, I, I felt comfortable with the idea that God was not a physical being somewhere in our space. He was um, outside of space and time.
2: So, D- Daniel, can I ask you? I mean, it, it's just for the audience, and, and I, I'm, making <clears throat> I'm making assumptions here, but I assume that they're that they're okay. That your dad, being a Jehovah's Witness, would, would have yeah. obvi- obviously had a very conservative um, outlook. And when you came to him and said, yeah. "You know, hey, Dad, it seems to me that um, that." that god may be um, non-dimensional or there may be some there may be yep. some component there that that the that the bible or the, the church uh it, it, you know is 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 aiming at is hitting around but isn't exactly getting to the point what do you think of this idea and he says to
1: that's exactly what happened
2: yeah and and he says to you you know you're a sinner and you shouldn't think that way that's going to lead you and look i can understand your dad wanting to protect his child i completely understand that yeah. and wanting to protect right wanting to protect you from endless hellfire for eternity is is you know <laughs> in his mind i'm sure was 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 a good thing but i wonder at 18 years of age if his disapproval of that idea it, did that make you rebellious and therefore more interested in, in exploring it or did it like,
1: um, no, not really because actually, um, surprisingly he did actually come around to the idea. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, I gave him my, uh, thoughts on the matter, you know, um, about how God couldn't exist. um, in space because space was created and he he did eventually come around to that idea mm. uh, I think it was more a case of he uh, started to look at some of the witness publications and because some of those confirmed mm. it he felt more comfortable accepting the idea but I think if, uh, if the witness publications didn't even hint at that I think he would have probably maintained that I... Uh, I'd lost the plot somewhere. <laughs> no, no,
2: that's okay. That's interesting. That's interesting because yeah. listen, I I grew up. Kyle and I both grew up in a relatively conservative evangelical church here in the state. Mm. Here in the states, you know, um, Kyle's family was more I, I say churchy than mine. But mm. I, I would go to church with him, and so it was it was Wednesdays and Sundays. It was a couple days a week. I know you went more. I think you went three days a week, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. And did you did you um did you growing up have a similar view of god that he was um sort of a human a human figure?
2: Oh com- well completely I would say anthropomorphic like mm. I, so I, I did imagine god as something like a person. Um I, I didn't, yeah, I, I, didn't I didn't put a lot of credibility in the idea of form, you know, because god was a spirit a spiritual mm. being, so for me it wasn't so important. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so, but I, but absolutely, that,
1: that that always that that was always a uh, an issue for me. On one hand, we were being told to kind of think of God in in a physical form, but at the same time, He was supposed to be invisible.
2: Right. Well, I mean, you
1: know, uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> you, you you go right back to Genesis, and you and you hear that man was made in the image of God, and that means mm-hmm. yep. that means something, and it means something important. But what it means is not clear. So yep. it, it's something like. God is something like what we're like, but it's not clear what this something is. Is it our form? Is it our mind? I think you and I would agree it's something more like our mind.
1: Yeah, mind and uh, personality uh, traits. You know, the fact that we can express um, feelings, love, and justice, and
2: sure. Sure, yeah. Those are, those are the yeah, the, so. the qualia, you know. The uh, if you've heard that word thrown around in the pandeism circles, it's the mm-hmm. it's the subjective part of our experience, the unexplainable part of our experience. That's something like the creative part of ourselves, something like that, is what we share in common with God. It seems to me.
1: Yes, very much so. I I started to kind of come to think of God more as a mind, um, less less form. Uh, more more from the consciousness point of view. Um, that, that's kind of how I started to think of a spirit. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not so much a, yeah.
2: So I'm going to ask Kyle a question because I think this is an interesting one uh, from his perspective. So... Um, Oh, now now I'm losing my thread. Now I'm losing <laughs> my thread. Well, how about this, Daniel? <laughs> uh, how about well, I was going to ask Kyle about how you envis- envisioned God. Did you picture Zeus on a th- on a cloud with a with a, uh, <laughs> a-
3: um? Definitely. No, I definitely wasn't considering like an actual human body or anything like that. Although I will say that just aesthetically, the vision of like like old man God with a beard sitting in a throne. Yeah just like flying through space i like that I, I think that that is aesthetically pleasing to me um but yeah, yeah that's it that's good yeah. that's like something straight out of like flash gordon or something you know um yeah but, but yeah no I, I guess i always kind of thought of it as like a consciousness too not like a a, a body but a human consciousness something that had Mm. I kind of operated like a human, had human drives,
2: almost. You know what I mean? Which is silly, right? You know? Right. Something like something that has a will and that understands good, good and evil. Something like that.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So the, the reason I asked Kyle that is because he, he grew up, like I said, a little bit more churchy than me and a little bit more conservative than me. But he also was more rebellious than me in terms of having a, lo- a long period of time where he where he considered himself an atheist, which mm. which he doesn't anymore. But I've never been mm. able to go there. Yeah. Never. Never, never the atheist. No, because as soon as the question comes I tr- up,
1: I tried atheism on for a, about two days, and it did not <laughs> work for me.
2: <laughs> well, uh, hey, yeah. Dan- Daniel, let, let's loop back around because we talked about we we're talking about steps, and we and we talked about the idea of God being um, non-dimensional, non-physical, and getting some yep. resistance from your dad. So yeah. that was the first part that maybe was the divergence from the church. Where did it go from there? Where was the next bump in the in the road?
1: Um, the next bump in the road, I started to think about consciousness itself. Um, in the, uh, the traditional idea of consciousness, um, let me see if I can explain this. The idea that one thought, uh, follows another mm. and another. So thinking is kind of a sequential process. Yes. Um, but then I, I had a problem with that because, That implies time, Um, conscious thought, you know, one thought after another, involves the passage of time. But um, apparently time, as I understand it, is related to physical space, space Mm space-time. So if you were to uh, take away the actual physical universe itself, um, you would essentially be taking away time as as we know it so um that then poses the question if god uh was purely a mind uh conscious what was time to god um as we understand it time is very much linked to physical things and therefore time had a beginning um It becomes a little bit of a nonsensical question because you start talking about what happened before time, which doesn't make any sense at all. So I kind of got this idea in my head of God being not so much conscious in the sense that we are, as in sitting there thinking one thought after another, but just a kind of pure, um, eternal awareness Mm. um, without the passage of time. Um, a kind of invisible conscious um, Yes. All thoughts happening at once if, y- if, that, yes. if that follows.
2: Yes. So um, there are a lot of people that won't understand what you that won't be able to visualize what you just said.
1: All, all thoughts It's all conceptually th- outside outside the bounds of what we generally can understand, isn't yes. it? Yes. However I think having th- the capacity to understand it. Yeah,
2: Yeah. 100%. And I think that, I think rather than that being a weakness in this situation, that is evidence of the fact that you're on to something and...
1: Yes, I yeah. thought so. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir.
2: So. The, the cognitive dissonance when you ha- when you're thinking philosophically that deep and you start and you start to shudder because you can't quite make heads or tails of it. That exp- it. that experience to me is a spiritual experience. It's hits hitting on something right. so true that you can't quite process it.
1: Right. And I would say that was round about the age of 18ish. That's- um it was like a light bulb went off in my head. Um, my concept of God completely changed. Mm. Um,
2: so I, I have to say, I got
1: I got a sense of like um, a conscious being that just was. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh yes. Um, you know the expressions like "I am." Yes, seemed to make a lot more uh, make a lot more sense in that context.
2: I mean, I'm stumbling over my words because I want to agree. I want to agree with you enthusiastically, um, but I, I also hmm. know that there's a disconnect between your every everyday average Joe and you and me and Kyle sitting here having this conversation. Um, uh-huh. I, and I get I get goosebumps. I get the hair standing up on my arms sometimes <laughs> when we have conversations uh, that, yep. that that go along these lines. Um, but I want to say that I really. I really like the way that, you, that your mind works, and I like the fact that when you were considering— <laughs> Well, that's a genuine compliment. When you, when you, were, thinking, <laughs> when you were thinking to yourself that, that God might be something like thought, and then you said to yourself, thought requires time because it's sequential, that's an idea that has to this day, until I read, until I read your, your uh, thoughts prior to this podcast, never occurred to me that thought requires oh, time— and it does and it mm-hmm. the way you described it it absolutely does so there's something qualitatively different about a human being's uh, way of thinking and the way you just painted god's way yeah. of thinking and there's and
1: with with thinking as well even the concept of uh, just the idea of thought which involves time even if it's only as a concept, it does introduce the idea of space, as in one thing being relative to another. Sure. If, if only the things that are relative are uh, thoughts, you've got one thought in front of another or after another. Right? It, you're kind of introducing at least the concept of space, mm. um, even if there isn't anything physical to fill that space.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so guys Okay, so the guy. So the this stand. This, this, <laughs> so you've got
1: this. Yeah. So so my idea of God by that point had become uh, less of a father figure and more of a um, uh, a kind of uh, ethereal force, if you will, um, which kind of raised all sorts of questions in your mind. Sure. <laughs> How do you relate to a god like that, for well,
2: example? Sure, and mm-hmm. and so I want to jump, so I want to jump in neck deep, and I, but I am afraid that doing that is not going to do justice to the story. So, so how about how about we ask? Well, let's let's summarize up to this point. So you've got you've got you begin with this idea of a traditional conservative uh, Christian god. Um, mm-hmm. You you begin to uh, poke holes in that idea and take on a. a a very different idea of God, something that's non-physical, something that's like, uh, pure consciousness, um, all thoughts, all at once, all potential thoughts, all at once, something, yes, something, that's very good. Yes. Something, mm-hmm. diff- something that seems so different from you that y- you feel now, um, estranged from, like, how can you know, or have an experience of something that different from you? So abstracted from reality that it doesn't have substance, you know,
1: is that about, is
2: that about, okay.
1: That that is about right. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So I... yeah, and it, it from that point on, it it kind of um, the religious side of my life um, seemed seemed lacking. If I'm honest, mm. um, the way that God was dumbed down in order for us to essentially understand Him, uh, there was a disconnect there. Very much so.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and that's a great point. Kyle, did you feel that way growing up in church? That, All right, so um, my mind's going a bunch of different places. Somebody said, and I can't recall who, that it might have been Jordan Peterson. He, he said something that, that you, our lives and our spiritual journey is supposed to be an adventure, and people who are in a religious um, a, a position of authority in, in religion or in science for that matter who don't teach the, the kids under them that their life or that their spiritual journey is an adventure, are doing them a disservice. And what Daniel just said about dumbing it down, to me, I, I, it resonates with me. It seems like every time I went to church growing up, I, I, I call it spiritless. And I always liked the intellectual piece. I never liked the hymns, I never liked the aesthetic piece, the ritual piece. I never really cared for it so much when I was young. I wanted the intellectual piece. Mm-hmm. And it <clears throat> and it is dumbed down. Just like everything today is dumbed yeah. down. And I wonder if that's if that's part of what takes the spark out of it. If that's part of the reason the church is dying all over. Amy. Oh yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> all right, Daniel, is there, is there another bump in the road that, that chronologically that, that comes up here that you can think of?
1: Uh, yes, um, I uh, started to started to think um, about how uh, you could get from the state of a conscious eternal being mm-hmm. to the universe. Uh, the physical universe. How did that actually happen? Um, I was looking at the uh, special relativity uh, formula mm-hmm. of Einstein's. You know, the uh, E equals M C squared. Yes, sir. Um, which I, I, I'm not an expert on this, but as I understood it, there was uh, there is a direct relationship between energy and uh, mass in that formula you understand Uh, it as well as i do (laughs) okay so um the example was often used um at the church that i attended um the jehovah's witness church of an atomic bomb Uh, if you take an atomic bomb which has got a small amount of uh, matter involved in it um the matter is uh, triggered in such a way that the energy is released from the matter. There's a transformation from uh, mass back into uh, back into energy, mm-hmm. and you end up with this huge, massive explosion. Um, there's a scripture in the Bible in uh, Isaiah 40:26 that um, tells you to look at the stars, and it poses the question, "Who created the stars, mm-hmm. the stars and the planets?" And that verse says it's The one referring to God, uh, who um, brings them brings them about by His vast dynamic energy and His awe-inspiring power, is what the uh, the scripture reads. So the way I understood it, certainly from reading the uh, Jehovah's Witness publications and what I was taught growing up, is that um, for physical matter to exist at some point it would have had to have been um, energy. In other words, mm. energy was somehow converted into um, mass and matter. Bingo. And that scripture I just mentioned in Isaiah 40, would seem to indicate that the source of that energy that uh, became matter was indeed a creator or, or God as we were calling him at that point. And I got thinking on that in terms of if 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 God actually used his own energy, whatever that is in order to create the the matter of the universe, would that diminish his would that diminish his total amount of energy effectively he'd be putting part of himself into his creation mm, yes um but we're told that God is. Um, an infinite energy source so at the time I was thinking okay so God God kind of used some of his energy to create the universe but it didn't really affect him in any way so you end up with this um, this universe which is effectively a a product of God's uh, God's actual energy the substance of himself whatever that is but you still have this transcendent um, this transcendent God on the outside of the mm-hmm. physical universe—that's kind of the next step that I reached. Um, the idea that the universe actually is, in some way, God—God Himself—but yes. it hasn't affected the fact that God is still transcendent.
2: Yes, yes. So, mm. so I—I I, I reached that same place, and I okay. and I danced around that idea for a long time without. Without being able to go there. And it it, it had, it was really something to do with being humble. It was something to do with not, oh boy, I see, I'm afraid I'm jumping too far ahead, but it's, I think I probably am jumping too far ahead. (laughs) There's there's some piece of me that says, um, the closer God gets to material reality, the closer God gets to me personally. The more blasphemous, the more the more blasphemous, exactly. The more blasphemous that thought is. So I feel, (laughs) so right. Okay. So I, I had a resistance to even thinking that because I had a shame and guilt about thinking it. So it was like my ideas would get right up to the to the edge of that, and then I would pull back because I was I was sort of unconsciously censoring
1: that thought. If that makes sense. It does make sense. Um, that's interesting, actually, because I... This this was, for me, this, this realisation was around about 2006, I think it was. And I felt compelled at the time to write down my thoughts. And I actually started to write a, uh, a book. Oh. I never published it. Um, but the book was actually entitled... Uh, this, <laughs> this may sound blasphemous, uh, it was entitled, <laughs> I am God. Um, <laughs> yeah, not mincing me words. Yes. It was, I started to realise that if, if the universe is even, is even just a part of the energy of God um, transformed into physical matter, then we, not just me, but everybody actually is part of god you can't escape the fact energy and matter or energy and mass have a direct relationship it's it's the same thing just in a different form
2: kyle do you have something to say on that
3: you're gonna get along just fine here on this podcast <laughs> you, you, you fit right in
1: um yeah no i, I loved you know what it's so it's so lovely actually it's, it's really great <laughs> talking to a couple of guys of uh, Number one, understand what I mean. (laughs) Um, It's quite hard sometimes to put this into words and actually get anyone to understand what you mean in the first place. But then also that you've also had similar thoughts. Um, I think, oh, okay, I'm not quite as crazy as...
2: No, no. Daniel That's you're
1: <laughs>
2: Daniel you're not you're not you're not crazy and Well
1: maybe we're all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah,
2: That's a possibility. That's a possibility. Uh, so so
1: it's it is, it's is, it's very nice to actually um, find that there are other people out there that thought these things through. Yeah, very much. Well, so.
2: listen, I'm very glad to be that person for you and you're you're being that person Great. for me, Daniel. There's not there's not a lot of yeah. us out there, so um, so, so Kyle's sitting across the from across the desk from me, and he's just looking at me, smiling like an idiot. I'm nodding my head like an <laughs> agreement with you, which you can't see, and I'm smiling because because just to hear somebody else say this stuff is so gratifying to me. It's so gratifying to me. Yeah, yeah Chris, it
1: is. It is. Yeah, Chris right. talks a
2: lot about being God. Oh, he, he, well, I do, <laughs> I do, and th- and I that's definitely where I want to get in this conversation. Um, so, uh, in yeah. in the sake of um, and in the sake of moving it in that direction, uh, is there another bump in the road that we can get to next, Daniel?
1: Uh, I think there is. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a big one. Um, there is a guy called Scott Adams. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He writes the um, Gilbert comic. Oh, yeah, yes. I know
3: Scott Adams.
1: Yes, yeah, Scott Adams. Um, so he, he's famous for writing comics, but he actually wrote a book called uh, God's Debris. Um, without uh, ruining it with any spoilers. Um, It's basically a conversation between um, a young guy and an old guy. Um, This old guy has a load of profound um, thoughts that he expresses to this young fella. And... This book, God's Debris, it's basically a transcript of their discussion and they discuss all sorts of things about God and creation and the universe and so on. And this old man in this book postulates the idea that once upon a time there was an all-knowing conscious entity and the one thing that he or it did not know is what it would be like not to exist as a singular entity. Um, and so in order to find the answer to that question in this book, uh, God literally blew himself up thinking uh, into a million pieces. And that was in this story, the uh, the Big Bang.
2: Beautiful. And
1: the millions of pieces, the debris uh, from the Big Bang was uh, the universe which came into being, hence the title of the book, um, God's Debris. We are God's Debris. Now, I know that's only a book. Um, it's presented as a thought experiment. But, you know, when I read that, that actually, that was the the little bit that I was missing. Mm. And I, I took on this idea that maybe it wasn't a case of a transcendent God using a little bit of his energy in order to create a, a universe. What if it was a case of God fully investing himself into mm. this project? In other words, everything that God, or the Creator, the Source Consciousness, was in terms of energy, everything one hundred percent was mm. invested into creating the universe. So that therefore, the universe was actually uh, um, God in a different form. Uh, to use an example, um, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Yes. The caterpillar actually ceases to exist. It in the case of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly the caterpillar actually completely breaks down to a molecular level and then is completely reborn as a as a new effectively a new creature it's not just a caterpillar that tags on a couple of wings it mm-hmm. is actually a different different creature but it's a different creature created from um, the fundamental building blocks that it started with. Oh, That's the kind of idea that I got from that book, that God actually became the actual universe, so God ceased to exist as a singular entity. I,
2: I, I love that, Daniel. I love that um, vis- yeah. visual. And and I'm going to propose something to you. Um, <laughs> I The reason I find it so beautiful is because there's something about it that I deeply agree with, but also because what you just described... Is self sacrifice, right? So, so God in that very
1: is, much so, yes. Yes, yes, it, it, very much. And to, so.
2: to your point, it's not about taking a little bit of his, of his pocket change energy and, and using it frivolous, frivolously to make something beautiful like the universe, it's, it's sacrificing his entire being. To, to, that's to... just giving me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. And listen, very and, good. And, yeah. and so, listen. Th- that's powerful because it because it speaks of love, and because that's part of the mystic experience, which I want to talk about at some point. But I want to propose to you that it's powerful to you and me, and Kyle, because of another reason. Because we were because we were brought up in the Christian church, and the story of Jesus Christ is. Exactly that story. It's self-sacrifice. It's yes. it's God sacrificing Himself to Himself, right? God is the Creator, sacrificing Himself in the form of Jesus to to His creation, to to all of the other people, and to the cosmos. It's God sacrificing Himself to Himself. Whether we're talking about this this story of Jesus or the Big Bang, the way you just phrased it, we're 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 talking the same story.
1: Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I actually had this um, had this conversation with someone the other week, and um, but that actually that analogy with um, the sacrifice of Jesus hadn't actually crossed my mind, mm. uh, but it did with this person expressed exactly that to me, and I thought, mm, yeah, very much so.
2: It's beautiful, and and, I, so. and, and I'm not. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting that the connection to Jesus is. Um, I, I think that that. Strengthens the the feeling. It, it it's. I'm pointing out the fact that we're all Christian. We know that story. So there's some there's maybe some kind of a subconscious element that makes it resonate with us. But I think it, it would mm. re, it would resonate yeah. with would resonate with anyone. You know, um, boy. Is that so? That that brings us to pandeism. I mean, that brings us there. We're now we're knocking on the door of of the. We I, are
1: knocking on the door of <laughs> pandeism. Yeah, knocking
2: <laughs> on the door. So you know what? Yeah. There's something I want to do here. If you don't mind, I, I'm going to read a couple of um, words and real brief definitions because I don't know if you've encountered all of these or some of these or or what. But the mm. I, the idea of pandeism is. It's not a new idea, and it's not an unusual idea. It goes way back. You can see elements of it in (coughs) pre-Socratic Greek philosophy. You can see elements of it in Vedanta Hinduism. I mean, you you can see it lots of places. So there's this idea that God and the universe are the same somehow. And pandeism is one of those ideas. Um, And just really quickly, the wiki-type definition is something like this. The creator God becomes the universe, and in so doing, ceases to exist as God because he's become the universe. He's no longer what he once was. There's also a a similar idea called pantheism, and it it maybe it predates pandeism, but this is the idea that God and the universe are exactly the same, or that the universe is a manifestation of God. So so the, the distinction between the two is that pandeism is sort of like... Acceptable if you don't believe in God exactly, if if you don't believe in God in a traditional sense, or if you don't believe in a creator at all, you can get down with pandeism. You don't have to be a theist to go that way. But pantheism is the yeah. same idea, okay?
1: It, it's certainly the yeah, it's certainly the uh, the same in the uh, the pan part of it. The right. idea that um, God is somehow the actual. User. Universe. As I understand it, the, the difference with the uh, the second part of each of those words, deism and theism, theism implies a creator being that is interventional mm. in the creation, whereas deism uh, is um, there is no intervention of the creator being. So with pandeism, um, God becomes the universe, and that kind of explains why... God doesn't intervene. Yes. Which is, as I see things, some obviously would disagree with that and say that God does intervene in their lives.
2: Yes. I'm, um, I'm one of I'm one of those people. I don't Daniel. feel
1: like that now. <laughs> well, but, but God does intervene in your lives. Yes. Yeah, so, so I and
2: I'm really jump, okay. I'm really jumping to the punchline here, but I, I'm one of those people who disagrees, and I, and I'm actually I actually believe that this conversation happening right now is an example of God's intervention in our, our lives. So I'm ah, I'm gonna yeah. get, I'm gonna get there in a minute, but because there's more, have you heard of <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of pa, panentheism? Have you heard of this? P a n e n theism.
1: Panentheism. Yes.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: Yes.
2: So and and so this is I don't understand this well, but this is the idea that God and the universe are interrelated, that the universe is in God and God is in the universe. So there's some sort of a fractal picture that comes to mind. Um, yes. Is there anything to correct me on there, or is that good enough for panentheism? No,
1: I, I believe that is correct. And I believe, the, um, I believe the difference between pantheism and panentheism is that panentheism maintains a transcendent God outside of the creation. So he is both immanent and transcendent at the same time. Is yes. that correct?
2: Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. And then there's, then there's this idea of acosmism. Have you heard of acosmism?
1: I have not heard of Acosmism. No.
2: Okay. Acosmism is worth a Google when you have time, but this is the idea that God and reality are synonymous, that they're the same. So we're not saying God and the cosmos. We're saying God and reality, which is a, you could take, ah. you, you could understand that differently. But the idea is that nothing at all exists uh, except for within God and because of God. So something like that. Ah. And then there's a Now that,
1: that is, that sounds very matrix. Like.
2: yes it sure does it sure does mm,
1: i like that yeah <laughs> yes
2: okay yes and then, then there's then there's um, monism or, or Rosalian monism if you're a fan of bertrand russell um uh, this is the idea that that everything is one which is a very hippy dippy thing to say but it's it, mm-hmm. it equates the oneness with matter and energy or with consciousness which is something i think we could all get down with uh-huh yep and then lastly there's something called panpsychism which is a sort of a, it's a physics term, but it's sort of a philosophical term as well, which just says pan meaning all and and psychism meaning mind. So consciousness, all is consciousness. God is consciousness in that scenario. And I don't know if you've been introduced to that one, but that's an interesting one.
1: That's, um, I have actually considered that. I didn't know there was a word for it, though. Yes, sir.
2: Panpsychism. There's a gentleman mm-hmm. in, in your neck of the woods, and I say that because I know nothing about the UK, um, so I don't know where, where he is even. But over there, there's a gentleman named Philip Goff. He's a professor mm-hmm. of philosophy, and he wrote a popular book called Galileo's Error. Uh, that's where I found out about him. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. If you want to give it a listen, you can do that. But Philip okay. Philip Goff is a really interesting guy. He's a so uh,
1: so that's 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 interesting. Um, so, certainly, some of those things that you've just mentioned there are actually challenging, challenging the idea of a physical universe. Mm. Um, well, challenging the idea of reality itself. Yes, sir. As to whether reality is actually a conscious experience. <laughs> so the, uh, possibly, possibly even that reality takes place within God's consciousness.
2: Oh boy. So the hair standing up on my arms again, Daniel, you're, do, <laughs> you're doing that to me. Yes. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. I, I had a psychedelic experience. Um, and now I'm jumping, I'm jumping into the deep end. Um, and it was my very first experience of the sort that people call mystical. Mm. And mm-hmm. it, it was the yep. one. It was the one that changed changed my life. Actually, and when I came out of that experience, I wrote I wrote down pages and pages and pages of notes. Um, the very first thing that I said is that reality is God's dream. That was the first thing wow. I wrote, yes. and that's exactly what you just yes. said, Daniel. Yes,
1: that's so- very good. In which case, you see, I have I have uh, experimented with ideas like this, in which case it then starts questioning the idea of pandeism from the point of view of um, there no longer being a god. I mean, the idea of pandeism is basically that god in his original form destroyed himself to become yeah. the universe. But if you then start thinking in terms of uh, god's dream, that we are god's consciousness, that does seem to imply that there is still a uh, a creator being that still exists in some form, what? even if it is the universe.
2: <laughs> so you said this, Daniel, you said this when we first started talking, and I, did, I, was, waiting, <clears throat> I was going to wait to point this out, and I think this is a good, as good as time as any. When you were describing God, when you said you were 18 and you said, suddenly this idea occurred to me that God was something like pure mind.
1: <clears throat>
2: and the first thing that came to my mind is, But Daniel, you have a mind too. Have you ever considered Mm. that? If God is mind in your mind, what's the difference? I
1: have have considered that. Sometimes I've sat here just thinking, and thinking my consciousness is actually God. And again, you're knocking on the door of blasphemy, I know, from a religious point of view, but... Um, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the damage is done for you anyway, right? <laughs> the damage. is I'm completely lost. Yeah, I'm completely lost. But no, I I totally agree. I think see, see the, the I do have some issues with pandeism, or, or certainly the explanation of pandeism. Insofar as it seems to me that the 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 um, the official reasoning of pandeism is that you've got this conscious god entity to start with and then it becomes this physical universe which kind of postulates the idea god is dead you know you've got this universe but you've no longer got a god there while i would say there is no longer a separate god as in a transcendent god as he was originally i do still maintain the idea uh, for want of a better word, that the universe itself is conscious. The universe has become God, and we are fragmented pieces of God's consciousness. Um, the universe is God experiencing Himself in a different. There,
2: form. there, there it was. There it was, Daniel. That's something that- I don't
1: know if that I don't know if that is pure pandeism or whether I'm starting to introduce a few pan—was it psychism? You, you are thoughts into that, but. I feel very comfortable these days, mixing and matching.
2: <laughs> I do too. I do as Absolutely. well. So listen, what well, this is what comes to my mind that there's something that I think, and I say this with all due respect and I could be wrong. Um, I think hmm, that there's something, there's something that you're missing that you, that you, I think you're missing because of your lack of, of psychedelic experience. And I know, um, mm-hmm. it's illegal. It's illegal here too. And I completely understand that the risks are not worth the reward in some cases, but there's an experience that can be had that reveals to you something for me, it's visual. And I don't know if this is going to make any sense to you, but nowadays there are, there are things that come to me and in, in, in visual ideas and thoughts that come to me that I don't understand that I have to kind of figure out over time. And, mm. and this is something that you encounter in psychedelic experience. It's, it's fractal geometry and it's not just fractal geometry. It's, this uh, emotion that goes along with it. So when you're seeing shapes that transform into other shapes or shapes that are made that are made up of the same shapes on smaller scales and they everything's moving and everything's alive and the feeling that comes along with it is exaggerated positive emotion. It's joy and fear for that matter. it's a lot of fear but it's joy and wonder and it's hard to describe it's a spirit it's a spiritual experience. But when you, mm-hmm. when you when you have it, you come away thinking there's something important about it. There's there's some reason why I can't. The whole psychedelic experience is like a dream, but I can't get that out. Get the fractal geometry out of my mind. Something about the visual is important, and I can't forget because my unconscious won't let it go. It's like kept, keeps bringing it back up to me. It's, keep focusing on this. There's something here you're Very not getting. And, and this, yes,
1: it, I do. I do feel like I'm missing a piece. Somewhere. Mm. If I'm honest, I do feel like I'm missing something.
2: Well, Dan- Daniel, you might want to you might want to take a retreat to uh, the Brazilian rainforest and have an ayahuasca <laughs> experience.
1: Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but if for, yeah, if the, the thing is in the UK, I don't, I don't know what it's like at, uh, over where you are, but CMT, for example, is a classified. Uh, Class A drug, if mm. you get caught even possessing it, you uh, you end up in prison for seven years. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's no good at all. Which so uh, which...
1: however curious I might be, and uh, I am at the moment, it's not worth the risk. Yes. But I, I would certainly like to uh, experience that, if I'm honest. Mm. Well,
2: mm. yes, and, and there – and i feel that i always felt that way for a very long time like an intrigue about mm. it but there was all sorts of reasons that i shouldn't do it and uh mm. i went through yeah. i went through a divorce myself daniel and uh my life yep. got my life got uh, you know topsy turvy and i was in a different p- place and i was willing to do things i wasn't willing to do before and uh, that's what happened yeah. to me but but the this fractal picture that I was bringing up, I wanted to say what it what it looks like and it, it, it's a pattern within a pattern and it kind of reminds you if you yep. if you've ever looked at um, like like you're like a like a, a, um, like, a, like a cell like a, like a piece of your skin under a microscope and you can see the cells attached to one another and you can see the organelles inside the cells and everything's moving around you know the mitochondria is moving around and you know things are going in and out hmm. in and out of the cell and and if you zoom out on that picture, um, those those cells go away, and what you're left with instead is me standing there. Now you can see now you can see me, right? And so what you have is like this: you have this this pattern on a micro level that's alive, and then you have on a macro level me, and I'm alive. And this is the fractal example. This is one of many fractal examples, where you can you can abstract that a step further and say the macro being from me now is God and I am the cell Mm -hmm. existing and moving and and acting in, in the world. And it's just like looking at, looking at your cell under a microscope and seeing this other world happening. The, the important thing is that you are not dead, right? You are alive within God and the cells are alive within your body. They're not dead. It's all alive. So I think there's, that's an, that's an obstacle that you're up against where you're, Personally, it sounds like where you're—you seem you seem to be uh, sympathetic to the idea that God isn't is no longer existing or, or no longer intervening, and you maybe have good reasons to to, to wonder that. But what I, I'm trying to push back against it a little bit and say that that God, God is not dead in any one of these fractal levels; He's alive in all of them. Yeah,
1: it, I guess I guess that comes down to the definition of what you class as intervention, doesn't it?
2: it yeah, absolutely. Hmm. and can i ask you that question i mean
1: yeah i think i think in terms of uh, intervention i'm thinking more in terms of um supernatural revelations hmm. um for example i used to think that the bible was you know the inerrant inspired uh, infallible word of god uh, i don't see the bible as a product <clears throat> of uh, a direct product of god anymore um Things like the, uh, whilst I still believe in Jesus, uh, I have a bit of a trouble with things like the miracles and various Mm. things that the Bible reports. But if we're talking intervention in terms of um, God is actually underpinning the universe and everything is is alive because he, he is, just in a different form, then I think I would agree with you that there is intervention in that in that way. Okay. Just our very existence and our life and our consciousness, if that is God expressing himself, then that is intervention.
2: Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. Sorry, Kyle, I'm dominating this
1: conversation. Oh, you're, you're,
3: you're I mean, you know, I just, like, if you're walking down the street and some stranger decides to talk to you, I mean, you know, for no reason, that that's intervention in some way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I have had experiences without psychedelics. I've had quite a few experiences in my life where things have happened that I still can't put down to anything other than some divine cause behind it. Um, some people would say it's manifestation, you know, the idea of putting your intentions out into the universe mm-hmm. and it comes back to you that way. Uh, others would say it's answers to prayers that kind of thing but yeah. uh, I think although I am although I am using the definition pandeist I think and it's it sounds the same with uh, with you as well mm-hmm. um, maybe the official definition of pandeism is a little bit narrow for what I'm thinking at the moment
2: I would
3: agree yeah I would, I would agree definitions mm-hmm. are, always tend to be a little narrow you know like, I feel like, they are, uh...
1: and the minute you the minute you say I am a pandeist, um, I, I mean I did it. I, I announced I was a pandeist on Twitter, <laughs> and uh, I was I was flooded with uh, quite negative comments. Actually, really? Um yeah, yeah, really. Um, you know, I, I actually uh, ranging from uh, you're going to hell and uh, you've given up your your whole uh, salvation and belief mm. in God, etc don't feel i have i still feel i still feel that there is some spiritual uh force consciousness life force running through everything and it's about connect how do you connect to it you're talking about psychedelics Mm. do you think it's possible to connect uh through meditation um without the psychedelics is that possible or is that Yes, I I, I. I think
2: I think it is possible, but I want to tell. I want to say something else. Actually, mm. the the psychedelic experience is something that I've recreated many times, and it's a journey. It's been a journey. Yeah. It's been a journey for me, and it's like a, it's a method of inquiry. It's like I can get into this state, and I can think about things and ask questions in a way that allows me to get some answers. Um, and where was I going with this? Um, <sighs> Oh boy! Meditation. Yeah. Well, what well, 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 was right before meditation? We were talking about psychedelics. Okay, psychedelics. Um, boy, I lost my I lost my thread. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember now. It was that the doing the psychedelics multiple times in the beginning was about the visual experience and the emotional experience, and towards the mm-hmm. end it, it became harder and harder to reach the, that experience. And I was left ah. I was left on many occasions with the impression that my Body was telling me that I was I was going after I was I was using the wrong approach that I I got what I could get from the from the visual part of the the visionary part of the experience and what I needed to see what was what, is what was right in front of my eyes and this is the impression that it, it left me with that the mystical experience that I'm that I'm experiencing with within the drug experience with all of the crazy visuals and all of the su- supernatural elements that when i opened my eyes into sobriety that i was in the same place and i just didn't realize it it was look you have yeah. you have you have to live your life the way that you were in the psychedelic experience you have to experience the people and the and the matter mm-hmm. and the energy around you you have to experience all of that as the miracle it is and it it's like a, it was a push to it was a push for me to to change the way I look at the world, and to no longer think of it as, as a theater where it's I exist, just
1: a, just a physical, just a physical creation. There is still something very spiritual about it.
2: And, and, and it's it's not just that there's something very spiritual about it; it is that everything about it is very spiritual. It's that there mm. it's that there is nothing about it that isn't spiritual. And I if I mm. would I would replace that word with consciousness, and then and suddenly we're having a panpsychism conversation. Good. Um, that's brilliant. Yeah. And and I always say yes. on my I always say on my podcast uh, we are the experience that God is having, and and that's yes. that's what I believe. I'm not sure I can explain it well, but that's what I believe.
1: No. No. And uh, to prove these things is nigh on impossible. I've been asked, uh, you know, how do you prove this? Um, I can't. It's uh, it's very much based on intuition.
2: Taking on faith, brother. So uh, I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you guys another story. Kyle's heard before, and uh, forgive me, the audience who's heard this before. But um, I had this experience again, another mystical experience that wasn't visual at all. It was me in the darkness of my closed eyes, and I didn't know that I was. My, myself. I had an ego death experience. So I, for a moment, I, I wasn't, I was aware, but I didn't know anything. It's so hard to describe. I was consciousness, but I wasn't attached to an ego or to an identity. I didn't know my name was Chris. I didn't know. It was just darkness. And all I could, all mm. I, all I could hear, and I say hear, but that's not the right word. Um, what am I? What am I? Over and over and over again. I just kept asking myself and I could hear the words in my mind. What am I? It was like a curiosity to know what it is that I am. And it kept building in intensity. It kept building and building and building until the what am I was like, uh, was like a scream in my mind. And it got to a fever pitch. And then I opened up my eyes. And I saw my bedroom where I was laying. Mm. And that was the answer. It was what I am yep. was... Was conscious awareness. It was the world and the cosmos all around me. And when I opened up my eyes, it was like, "Bam! There's your answer." The world. Start start treating the world like it's magical because it is.
1: I am God.
2: <laughs> I am God. Exactly right. And the first time I said yeah. that, Daniel. The first time I said that, I I could barely get the words out. And now I now I yeah. say it every time I get on this podcast. <laughs> uh,
1: so absolutely if, to answer your question, and the great the great thing with that, Chris. Is to say as well um, if you're saying I am God you also then recognize that everybody else is as well and yes. that's where oh, the wonder yeah. comes in and the way that you um, I mean that for me I look at other people and feel uh, genuine love for people based yes. on that to, to answer your so.
3: question Daniel I do think that you can get uh, you can experience those types of things through meditation and things like that um I've had some experiences with meditation uh and you know breathing and things like that. Uh have you ever done anything like a uh sensory deprivation tank?
1: Um not so much sensory deprivation. Um I've well I I suppose I have I I put my ear plugs in my ears so I can't hear things uh, except for my breathing. Mhm. Um but not total sensory deprivation. No, that's Kyle?
3: worth checking out. I mean, I, I I can almost guarantee you there's some you know there's some place around you that's got a tank that you can go float in. Those are uh, me and Chris have both done that. It's um it's a, definitely a unique experience to say the very least. Describe it for it, Daniel. So, yeah. It, it so it's a uh, a tank that you float in. It would just probably about a foot of water that yes. you float in. That's got a a ton of salt in it. A ton of magnesium. Uh, and you go in there, it's pitch black. The water's heated up to about the temperature of your skin. Uh, and you're floating in silent darkness, you know. Uh, and can you it,
1: feel Can you feel your body or not?
3: Um, so you can at first when you're laying there at first. But after a while, when you're just kind of floating there for a while, once you kind of stabilize, um, <laughs> I think if you if you concentrate on your body, you'll continue to feel your body. But if you kind of just like sit there and let yourself be just your mind you'll kind of forget about your body <laughs> I mean, so,
1: it, it, so that that's taken it full circle because that's almost exactly how i think god was yes exactly. daniel yes In that,
3: you yeah. should check it out I, i'm telling you man find a float place you can find them they're easy um and it is <laughs> it, it's interesting to to say the very least mm. so, so yeah, you're, you taking, you're taking
1: away the uh, you're taking away the dimensions of your uh, the confinements of your body, and you're just becoming basically pure mind, aren't you? That's mm-hmm. exact. That's, that's, that's
2: exact, the idea. Daniel. That's exactly right. The, these places, you, you uh, may you may have to go to a like a spa type of a place, or or you might just find one that's that strictly does these uh, float, these float tanks. But do it. Go in there and do it for a couple of hours. And I'm telling you, they they give you earplugs, and you get in there. Uh, once the water becomes still, and you 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 literally can't feel your body anymore. And when I did that, I, I had exactly the same intuition as you. I, I was like, try to imagine what it must be like to only be consciousness. And the float tank will let you do that in an extraordinary way. So you should you should give it a try if you can.
1: That, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, a, it, it sounds more sounds more comfortable than my. Uh, I uh, I recently got myself one of those uh, shakti mats. You know the bed of oh, nails. Yes, yes. Nails. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds more comfortable than that.
2: Oh boy, yeah, it is. It is. Um,
1: yeah, it's it, interesting.
2: So, it, hey, what, uh, go ahead, Kyle. I, I was just wondering if you
3: have you asked about meditation. I was wondering, have you had any experience with that sort of thing?
1: Um, I I have. I've. Um, I have tried meditating um, and I got some, some fairly good results Mm -hmm. um, in terms of kind of feeling uh, detached from myself and connected with a greater whole. I have managed to reach that um, through meditation, but I would say it's, um, it's very difficult. Oh yeah. It's it's not, it's not an easy thing to get in that state of mind without any, uh, psychedelic persistence
3: so one thing that they um, they say about meditation and yoga and things like that is they call it a practice uh and you mm. really do have to practice i mean it's yeah. not something that's just yeah. uh, you do it once or twice and all of a sudden you are you know great at it uh it really does take work which is uh, another yeah. benefit to the old psychedelics um but if, yeah, I, d- I definitely think that you can get those benefits. I've had I had this one experience while meditating where it just felt like the borders of just who I like, what I am as a, as a being were like dissolving. Mm. So that was pretty yes. that was pretty interesting. And that was yeah, uh, that fact, that was just you meditating can,
1: uh, you can reach the uh, you can reach the point where you know how I was describing consciousness as. Um, in the sense that we usually think of it as being a sequential mm. set of thoughts, one after another. Yes. Um, you can actually get to the state with meditation where there is no time. Mm. I've I've been I've been in that position where it just feels like all thoughts at once, or no thoughts at all.
2: Yes. Um,
1: no sense of time passing. Uh, um, that's quite an amazing feeling, actually.
2: You will also feel that in the float tank, Daniel.
1: Yes, I can imagine you would. Yes, because yes. because there's no
2: change, and if there's no change, there's no detection of time. It's a very interesting that's thing. It. Yes,
3: I yes, don't think your boss is so. going to yep. accept that as a reason for being late to work, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so
1: yeah. So, and, and that's, and I, I think that's you know, just coming back to the idea of God becoming the universe. That that strikes me as kind of what. What his problem was, if you will, is that if you are in a state where there is no change and you are just pure consciousness um, with everything happening at once, you want to uh, you want to know what it's like to experience consciousness um, on mm. a temporal level mm. sequentially, and not just not just through one body, but through through many bodies. So you become a universe, and you become all the. Humans in the universe with their independent thought processes—that Yes. Um, that would enhance uh, enhance God very much. So I think.
2: So my my mind goes so many different places. Like uh, there's so many things that I, I I want to say. So it's very difficult. Um, I, I'll start with this one. This is actually. You know what? I want to, <laughs> I want, to, I, want to, I want to talk about intervention a little bit because. Because this a TV uh, show? No, no. Because this this comes up like when people usually like when they're around late teenage years or college age years and they're starting to question you know fundamental things if they're traditional. That's about the age when it happens. Um, yeah. Um, oh, where was I going with this? Golly well anyway, intervention. In- intervention. So oh yeah, that's the right. idea. The idea that, that people will question God and then there's all these philosophical arguments, but that's one that's one of the popular ones. Why does God let bad things happen? Why does God let bad things happen to good people? You know, if God existed, that wouldn't be so, because he God is supposed to be good, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is a question that you get. And Daniel, I don't know if that's if that's along the lines of your um, your take on on, you know uh God not being here or not being here in, in an intervention sort of way because bad things happen. I don't know if that's your angle, but uh but it's a it's a popular one.
1: Um somewhat, yes. Um I mean I I I grew up um with parents that used to tell me stories about how uh God had supposedly saved them uh from challenging situations, usually things like they didn't have enough money to pay the rent. Mm. Or uh they'd run out of food and they prayed to God and God stepped in and, you know, a miracle happens, someone gave them some food or they found some money down the side of the sofa, that kind of thing. Right. And uh, um they always told me, you know, you need to experience it yourself to know, you know, whether God is playing a part in your life. And I I started to see patterns like that as I as I grew up, you know, I um I prayed when I was skint and uh, didn't have enough money for food. And somehow it always seemed that God was, you know, coming through for me. And I put that down to, you know, the uh, Matthew six thirty three where it mm. talks about seeking first the kingdom and all the other yes. things will be provided for you. Um, I kind of put it down to that. You know, I was doing God's work as a Jehovah's Witness. That's how I felt at the time. And God was looking after me. But then... I don't know, it always seemed a little bit odd to me that God would step in and, and you know, listen to my prayers about relatively mundane things um, when other things happen, like genocides. And right, right.
2: Yeah, it seems a little uneven. And,
1: uh, mm, you know, uh, abuse within churches, mm. that kind of thing. I thought, hmm. Something seems a bit off here. <laughs> so I suppose with the, I mean, I did I did think for a while about the whole atheism idea. I did, actually like I say, I lasted about two days on that. <laughs> I figured, you know, uh, maybe the reason these things happen is there is no God to intervene. Mm. But then that kind of didn't sit well with me with the the fact that the universe exists. Um, I've always felt a need for a creator. Mm. I know there are people that can, um, there are people that fully understand the idea that a universe can come into being without a source. Um, logically, my mind just can't make any sense of that. I need right. a, I need a creator um, an eternal creator to start things off. Mm-hmm. But then I was, I was sort of stuck with this idea. Okay, so there was a god. Or a creator, let's say, that started things off. But why? Why do these bad things happen? Um, is it that he's lost interest? Is it that he's walked away from the situation? You know, given up on right. his project.
2: So, th- so this is. Um,
1: in- or is it that he's invested his entire entire being into it? That, so that made a lot more sense. To yes,
2: me. but I think there's a third option. I think there's a third option here. And and, Go and, and on. so I think I think this is interesting because people don't like to think of themselves in a negative light. And I think this is at the root of why this isn't obvious mm. to, to us. Um because if we're like something like what God is like, like made in his image, and we're conscious and God's conscious, if we can all agree that with, with those things, then God is not all good. But that's the Ooh. God that's the God Ooh. that's the God we've painted, <laughs> Daniel. Yeah.
1: We are yes. not we well, are not all good but we want to be But doesn't, we, doesn't the Bible actually say that from the outset though if you are a bible believer God says they have become like us yes. knowing good and bad yes. God knew good and bad to start with Yes sir Yes Very sir much so. Yes, yes. And, that, and you can't you can't have one without the other
2: they, That you're on it you are Daniel you're pulling the thread now sir you're pulling the thread that, <laughs> That, that, that's exactly right. And this is, this is the thing, man. I studied religion my whole life. I love it. And we, I, I don't know if you disagree with this from a Jehovah's Witness perspective, but as Christians, we are, we're a dualist religion. We pretend that we're, <laughs> a, that we're a monotheistic religion, but we aren't. And I was, I was taught that there's God and there's the
1: devil. And, oh, and, right, exactly. Right? If you've got a God that is all good, you have to then invent an anti-God who's bad. You've got to; otherwise, got, you can't
2: explain. That's exactly yeah. right. And and here's the disconnect. Exactly. Here's the disconnect. So this all this all comes from Zoroastrianism. So the, you know this this is originally Ahura Mazda, the god of good, and Ahiman, the god of evil. Mm. That that's mm. what got, got adopted by the by the Jews and adopted by the Christians afterwards. We we think of God as split in two: a god of good and a god of evil. And if if you are a Christian and you don't believe that, I would just tell you that you should question your assumptions because you do believe mm. that. And this is the thing. If God is everything and created everything, you th- theologically and dogmatically cannot get around the idea that God is all good and all evil. And all bad. Absolutely. That's why bad things happen, because it's part of Absolutely. it's part of the reality. Yeah. And, yep. and there's a gentleman another British fellow who I love named um, Ian McGilchrist. Do you know Ian McGilchrist, the, mm-hmm. guy, the guy that wrote mm-hmm. the, the Master and His Emissary? Um, he, yep. he, he talked about this. He called it the coincidence of opposites. And he's talked about it in terms yeah. of consciousness in the brain, but it, it, it follows for, for, for God and religion in the same way. He said that, that opposites require one another. They don't exist without one another. Absolutely, they're, absolutely. They're mutually codependent and mutually coexisting, light and absolutely. dark, good and evil. And, here, and here's the kicker, God and being. God and being. So, in my, in my, to my mind, God and being are are opposites. And it, and this, the introduction to this is 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 beginning to understand that God is not all good. God is also all evil, and that mirrors our our lives. That we are part good and part evil, just like that.
1: Absolutely. This is an interesting thing you've just raised here because I was I was thinking about the moral implications of this the other day. If um. Just, just putting this out, out there. Um, there, let's just say for a moment there is just one consciousness. I've got no proof of this, but let's say there is one consciousness um, that existed originally as the singular entity, and now is experiencing life through um, each of us as individuals. Yes. But essentially, that consciousness is the same. This is just a thought experiment. If I was you if I was to find myself in your body, mm-hmm. would I feel any different? I I propose maybe not. Uh, the experiences that you have been through in your life may affect the way that you uh, act or the way you see things. But I think essentially if we could teleport into each other's bodies in some ways, uh, we would find that we are the same person, just experiencing life through a different uh, a different conduit.
2: So I could not agree with you um, more. I could not agree with you more.
1: Okay, right now that that is great. If I say um, I'm Chris, Chris is me. I'm Carl. That I'm comfortable with that. Um, you guys seem seem nice guys. <laughs> I, I don't mind. I don't mind being you. Um, we could get a little bit blasphemous and say, "Oh, well, maybe I, you know, maybe I'm Jesus as well." I could, you know, if I was in Jesus' body, would I feel any different? Mm. Probably not. Starts to feel good. But then you've got to then think from the moral implications of that. If I was to be in Hitler's body. Mm, Yes, sir. Or Stalin or Genghis Khan. Would I still be me?
2: Mm, That's a great question. And
1: mm, um, what is it that made those people um, horrendous? Could I be that person, given different circumstances? Of course. That that is, you know, you've just said that there's evil in all of us. Yes, sir. Um, That's that's quite a worrying. Well, (laughs) it it is. It
2: it is. But I'll give you, Mm. I'll I'll give you a little bit of comfort, and this comes from Carl Jung. Mm. This comes from Carl Jung. If you're familiar at all, Mm -hmm. Uh, Carl, Carl Jung proposed that we all have a shadow. Right? We, all, we all have this dark part of ourselves that we hide from. That's why we pretend God is all good, because we're hiding from our shadow. We're hiding from the potential mm-hmm. of evil that we foster within ourselves, which is a, it's a tendency towards self-destruction, is what it is. It's a nihilistic thing. But if we can integrate the shadow, which is what Jung says we should do, we should find a way to integrate that into our personality, then we can harness it for our own ends, then we can determine what to use the power of evil for, and then it's under our control.
1: Yes, and it does all come down to um, it's up to us to make the world a better place, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, if, if 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 you if you, I mean, I've completely completely got rid of my Jehovah's Witness ideas altogether now because it always struck me that anything good was. Uh, oh Jehovah did it, God did it, mm. Yahweh did it mm-hmm. anything bad oh the devil's having a go today <laughs> um there was never there was never any responsibility taken for anything it was always either God or the devil yes um if something went wrong um it was never well you know I messed up. <laughs> It was the devil's. The devil's persecuting me today. It you do,
2: know? Doesn't that seem supremely immature? Like a supremely it immature does. perspective. Kali It does. It's cowardly. Cowardly, yes,
3: yes. Mm. You know one Very thing. Very much so. One thing those Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses don't have wrong is the uh, the dedication and the, the like, the pounding the pavement and the actually getting out there and uh, spreading. Your beliefs—they've got that down. Like <laughs> compared to a lot of people,
1: yeah. I, <laughs> I I've, I've, got some views on that. I'm, I think yeah. um, I, although it, it seems very mm. uh, sincere and selfless, um, just from personal experience, I, it, it is very much uh, presented as a requisite for salvation.
0: Yeah. So if you
1: don't if you don't you're going to fry at Armageddon. So you're properly motivated um, to write those
2: letters and knock on those absolutely.
1: doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are very much motivated from the point of view um, it is a requirement to uh, go and warn people that they're going to die at Armageddon and if you don't then you will die at Armageddon. Hmm. So uh, I'm not sure entirely how much uh, genuine love there is Sure. action, if, if i'm honest mm. and i was a um i was actually what was known as a regular pioneer so i was putting in uh anything up to 100 hours a month whoa it's that crazy mm. so on
2: a, top of a lot of constantly. time i
1: have a feeling that a it, lot of time yeah absolutely yeah
2: I have a feeling that if Daniel's amenable to it, that we could have him on and talk about uh, talks more specifically about Jehovah's Witnesses in the future. Because uh, we, we could Absolutely. totally yeah, do I've that.
1: I've got uh, I've got some good memories, and uh, some not so good memories. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm sorry Absolutely, to hear about but... I'm sorry to hear about that. It, I can't imagine being losing mm. losing your entire family, friends, social structure, your kids and wife all at the same time, it just sounds like yeah, the worst thing in hell. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's, it's, um, it, yeah. it is insofar as, you know, when you leave, um, particularly when you take a, uh, a very definite stand against it and say, you know, I'm never going back to it, I do not believe this anymore. You're classed as an apostate and mm. uh, you are basically shunned by everybody mm. that you ever knew before, family, friends, and so forth. Mm. However... Um, I have found in the the loss of everything um, has actually contributed to my spiritual journey. I feel more spiritual now than I ever did um, belonging to a religion. Uh, just purely because I'm allowed to, I am now allowed to uh, explore, investigate all kinds of ideas and exactly. pick the ones that feel correct to mm. me rather than just taking en masse uh, mm-hmm. what the religion or cult or whatever um, agrees to accept as truth. Isn't, um, isn't that It's interesting. very difficult when you're in a religion because you have to actually pretend to believe certain things that you maybe don't.
2: That's the problem with um, any title. That's the problem with any collective. That's the problem. Yep, We're
0: It talking.
1: is. And that's, that's, why, that's why even though I loosely say I am pandeistic – um you'll not kind of uh pin me down to an official explanation of pandayism myself because i do bring in other ideas um i think at the moment i'm a mix of a christian buddhist hindu <laughs> pandayist me too me too <laughs> whatever that is we, we gotta
2: start that church <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> So
2: so, yeah. uh, so Daniel, exactly. I I I, uh, I hate I hate to cut any of this short, and I think we definitely should should do something again. But I've got eight minutes left on my Absolutely. clock, and I want to I want to ask Fantastic. you about one more thing, mm-hmm. and, and it's this: I in my studying of religion, and my interest in it, mm. it pulled me away from Christianity my entire life because primarily. I already knew it. Like I, I had that arrogance about me. I already knew it, so there was no mystery to it. It wasn't. It wasn't interesting. So for me, I wanted to study all of the other religions, in particular, the older the better, in, in my mind. Hmm. And so, so yeah. I, I had this. I had this, you know, problem uh, lo- losing my thread again. I want. I want to get to Jesus. So then. <laughs> so then. Then what? What happened was I had these mystic mystic experiences, and my mind got to a different place. And I found myself getting pulled back into Christianity in ways I had not expected, and ah, and I want to yep. I want to sort of tell you what I mean, and then I want you to. And I'm curious what you might think about this. And I'm going to go right to the same blasphemous place you went to earlier, by the way. And it, it goes like this: As a Christian, well, first of all, let me, before I get into that, let me just say, when Jesus in the Bible and the Gospels, when He sent His apostles out to evangelize. He, he sent his apostles out with, with the ability to perform miracles. And what was strange about that to me was that Jesus was understood to be God because he could do supernatural things. He could do things nobody else could do. He could bring people back from the dead. He could heal the sick. He could walk on water. When he sends his apostles out into the world, he says, go and do miracles. So here you have 12 other mortal men who are, like, who are now Jesus out in the world doing what Jesus did. They're doing all of the mm-hmm. same stuff that convinced the that convinced his followers that Jesus was God. Now you got twelve more doing the same thing. In my mind, you got tw- you got thirteen Jesuses out there at, at one point. Yeah. And the reason I the reason I paint it this way is is because when you're a Christian and you go to church and you take the communion and you take the Eucharist and you put the put the bread into your mouth and you put the wine into your mouth, you're consuming the body and the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? It means you are taking into your own body and incorporating into your being the body and blood of jesus you are becoming jesus christ when you take communion and and me and meanwhile you're sitting in the pew staring at the cross you know in the altar with jesus hanging on it and you're meditating even even though you don't know it you're staring at it for an hour on sunday or, or you probably went for two or three hours daniel but you're staring at this cross and you're you're meditating subconsciously on Jesus the whole time. And then you leave church and you're supposed to be God like. And, and and I guess what the point that I'm making is the religion of Christianity teaches you to be like Jesus. But it doesn't exactly do that. It teaches you to be Jesus, to become Jesus. Yeah. And and this is where I want to go, is, is that what Jesus seems to the, the story of Jesus, what it seems to be is an example of god being man of god existing on the earth and being a man and it's not it's not to hold him up as a special creature and that's what christianity tells you it is not to hold him up as a special creature it is to it is to show all of the other regular joes like you and i that we too are god on earth that's why we meditate on jesus that's why we take communion and become jesus
1: I couldn't agree more. Oh. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> well, my work is done, Daniel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you want me to answer that quickly? Yes, please. Okay. So, um, uh, slightly different with Jehovah's Witnesses. They have this uh, two class two classes of people. Uh, those that are going to live forever on earth. Those that are going to go to heaven when they die and live with Jesus and God. Mm. Um, and the one they don't think that Jesus is God. They think Jesus is a separate person to God. Ah. Um, the uh, the idea of being born again, um, taking Jesus' blood and bread in uh, flesh in the form of the bread and the wine, um, as Jehovah's Witnesses, it is only for those that believe they're going to go to heaven. Mm. They think there's a um, a set number that are going to heaven and most people are going to live on the earth. So partaking of the bread and the wine um, for Jehovah's Witnesses is a rarity. There's not many that do it. Oh, I think out of about 8 million of them, there's, there's only 20,000 that do do it. <laughs> do they get to choose if um, they do it? I, well, uh, it's uh, it's supposedly a born-again experience oh, that the person gotcha. okay. has and then they partake of the bread and wine. I was one of those 20,000 mm. um, when I was a Jehovah's Witness. I read the Bible. I came to the conclusion that there were not two groups of Christians. If you are if you are a Christian, it is about becoming Jesus, um, part of his body, um, one with Jesus. And the way that you do that is to partake of the bread and the wine. Mm. And so even though I was a Jehovah's Witness being told that I shouldn't do that because you know, I didn't fit the profile, I wasn't old enough or Mm. or whatever they expected of those ones, Um, I went ahead and did that. And I did that because I felt um, a oneness with Jesus. And even though I wouldn't class myself now as a Christian, I still feel that. I think there is such a thing as uh, Christ consciousness that still exists uh, that we can connect to.
2: Absolutely, very much
1: so I think he was teaching us that we are all all one and the same I, absolutely
2: I couldn't agree more I think the mystic experience tells you exactly that I hope I hope one day whether it's um, psychedelic related or otherwise I hope that you have one <laughs> I, I hope that for you with all my heart Daniel I, I really do um, fabulous this is a, it's probably a good good spot to end Kyle you got anything else to say
3: no I just think I was just, when you guys are talking about um, you know the, the eating of the bread and the drinking of the wine. It makes me think about how there's a an element of religion that like, you know my mom and my grandma my my grandma wasn't happy that i was reading harry potter books mm. because they were they had to do mm. with like magic and witchcraft yeah yeah, yeah. but there's this element <laughs> of christianity and a lot of religions that is like magical you know what i mean mm. you're, ta- you're you're uh, you're yeah. you're eating the 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 flesh and blood of a person that's like that's how like alistair crowley shit you know <laughs> yeah, yeah um <laughs> uh, i just think that's interesting you know that's it though yeah that, that's it
2: All right. very much so. <laughs> awesome
3: but yeah
1: I I'd, uh, I'd gladly uh, I'd gladly uh, chat some other time about uh, my experiences of religion if you'd like to do that sometime that'd be oh yeah that'd be super I would
2: absolutely I would absolutely love to and, and uh, Daniel I thank you again for for being on the two tongues podcast uh, oh
1: very very welcome I've really enjoyed that guys thank you well, oh, good. what's your podcast Giving me a lot given me a lot to think about uh, my podcast is um onion Unlimited
2: all right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Onion Unlimited, guys. It's a good one. Uh, yeah. it, and and uh, Daniel's episodes are generally shorter than ours, so they're much more digestible. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, Daniel, hang in until after the music. I'm, I'm going to stop the recording afterwards. So give me just one sec. Peace,
1: everybody. Okay, bud.
0: Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know.